Hey, listener and fellow business, producer Cam here. Listen, it's time you upgrade your full body grooming game with the precision engineered tools from Manscaped. Their premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and it includes an LED light and is made with skin safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver and Undercarriage Deodorant and the Crop Reviver, a family jewel toning spray. Both are super practical and guess what? They smell good too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts. Not one, but two. The Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Brief, because who doesn't like a nice pouch for their marbles? Get 20% off, plus free shipping, with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's right, Manscaped is hooking you up here on White Sox Business and at The Athletic. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. That's all one word, with a two and a zero at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC20. Always use the right tools for the job. field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to look at how you're doing business welcome to white Sox business a podcast about chicago's south side baseball team hosted by me john greenberg and more importantly james fegan who we did not trade at the deadline subscribe to white Sox business on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and check out james's and my work on the athletic as well trade deadline james more like trade deadline I don't know what people are complaining about. Jared Dyson scored the winning run yesterday. <laughs> what do these people want? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. That's what Not Yolmer Sanchez by the looks of it. Really? People aren't excited? Uh, they're torn between. There's no rational takes on Yolmer Sanchez. It's either like unabashed joy or like this is uh, basically a um, cronyism hire. Uh, <laughs> like. Uh, someone's cousin getting the uh, director of parks job is such a type of uh, coattail writing. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, did you think, I mean, I don't know if you've heard anything. I assume you would have tweeted it out like every other baseball reporter. If you heard even a mention of some, a trade happening, but you know, the white Sox didn't sound like they were close on anything. Did they from what, not that Rick ever says anything in those calls, but right. It, it sounds like they, explore what the cost would be on every uh basically every impact starter on the market you know clevenger lynn and whatnot and the general response was yikes uh and kind of backing away and you know continuing forward i don't think they're really in a spot where they want to i mean kind of what i wrote about that you know when especially when we're kind of simulating this with jamie newberg like if if you want to trade for a guy like lance lynn it's not you know who's the who's the best player that we don't care about anymore? Zach Collins is a tenth overall pick. You're impressed, right? Like that's not really what's <laughs> going to do it. It's it's going to be like, do you want to cash in on what the value of Dylan Cease is, or um, uh, you know, trade Andrew Vaughn? And you know, the White Sox response is like, not like, oh yeah, that's our best top prospect to deal. It's more like our future first baseman. How, how dare you? Or our number three starter? Like they're not going to. Um, they, they weren't really in a position to kind of bail on those type of guys. And, and maybe that's part of just the White Sox being a little bit slow to to bail on the guys. They're, they're not a team that really just gives up on their um, <laughs> number five prospect after a season the way, you know, the Padres might with sending Taylor Trammell uh, up to Seattle. Uh, Kenny used that, to. That's just not how they operate. Yeah, he did. He, he used to be great at it. Jeremy Reed, that was a great bailing on the number one prospect. That worked out awesome. 
but uh, they ha- they haven't been doing that in recent years. Um, yeah, it's I, I do have to wonder though. Obviously, you know the context of this is that this is a normal season, you know, and we're at a different time, and like well, the trade deadline would have happened already. But you know, would they have been more? I guess willing to trade one of those guys if life was normal and not this dystopian, you know, limbo that we're in. Yeah, I, I would think that's definitely a possibility. In a normal season, it's not like the degree to which the fans are done with Ronaldo Lopez. Never want to see him again. Uh, to send him out on a raft. Um, doesn't. One, not going to match the White Sox front office or management at all, but also not going to match it when Ronaldo's essentially had, I want to say, four starts. And one of them, he got hurt. And the other three, he's been working back from being hurt. Um, They're just not going to make that kind of call of we're not going to we're not going to wind up being able to develop his talent the way we thought after all. Or the idea that Dylan Cease, um, you know, pitching to a horrible FIP uh, while suppressing runs for seven outings or 36 innings is this sort of proof that this is just not going to happen for him. Whereas like this is that we've had their conclusion is that Dylan Phipp, the Dylan Cease, not Dylan Phipp, um, by any means has thrown less than 110 major league innings. And they still think he's going to be a front of the rotation guy and not someone that they should sell before his value dips what it already is. Um, that they just haven't really had the, the opportunity to, to bail him that way. And that question got extended when I asked it about, you know, the fact that Encarnacion looks, uh, you know, 37 so far through the season. And then no Marzara doesn't seem like he can put a ball in the air right now. Like if they were a ha- seen a half season of that, you know, maybe they start thinking about what the future right field is as opposed to like it's been 20 games for Mazar and he had strep throat for the first week of the season. It's just not the same. So you, what else did Rick have to say in this call? You know, um I've been on calls before with Rick, so I don't. My expectations are, are, are low to quite low. Uh, I mean, he, he announced the Elmer move, but he, he just talked about like a, kind of the same thing that's been reiterated over and again that they weren't going to do any rentals. That um, which was surprising because he kind of detailed a difficult path back for Aaron Bummer. I would have thought that the price for one month of a reliever would probably be pretty low for something major league quality and. But given that they expect Bummer back by the playoffs, it still sounds like, and they could theoretically throw Gio Gonzalez or Carlos Rodon at the problem down the stretch. Uh, He he called the rental reliever uh, market unappealing or not that appealing, which I thought was a little surprising Um, and it'll probably definitely enrage people. Um, I'll I'll check my mentions for progress on that. But uh, it wasn't surprising that they weren't kind of cashing in on some of the young core or giving up on anybody, which is really what was necessary for um, the the type of, you know, kind of significant move to alter the rotation. Like if you're talking about kind of the rentals, like the Taiwan walkers and Robbie Ray's moving around, I don't know why you'd be especially more confident in those guys than Ronaldo Lopez or, or, or Dylan Cease. And, and the fact that you're basically choosing between those two, given the fact that Dane Dunning has been granted a rotation spot uh, per Rick, um, I guess it's not that shocking. Uh, no, it's good to hear it, though, fact- right? Yeah, um, especially for Dunning, um, given that he actually has pitched well, uh, both superficially and internally. Um, it, it's probably what people have been wanting to be declared uh, ever since Ronaldo Lopez had a bad first inning at the start of the season. What else? Anything else from Rick? Is that it? Yolmer's back. Okay, let's get into that. Yolmer is back. Uh, 
people aren't that excited from what you say. The Twitter Which, streets, the Twitter streets are not uh, celebrating. It's a kind of um, it's being viewed as old hat or bringing back a guy that they felt Renario is addicted to playing too much, which I don't really see being a factor in a, a big way or the idea that's going to stunt progress or we take any playing time from Nick Madrigal or Danny Mendick or, or become a favorite utility guy again. And, and maybe that's a risk a little bit with Mendick, but I don't I don't see it really kind of it's not going to like the front office weighs in on the lineup. He, he, Rick Renneria can't just like take hold of the, the steering wheel and, and drive off the bridge with Yelmer Sanchez. Like that's not how it works. I mean, really what the essential move is, is getting rid of Ryan Goins and getting somebody who's closer to like someone you'd actually be comfortable starting a major league game instead. And, and from that point, it's a very clear upgrade. Uh, it's not quite the position. I think I would have to think if Yelmer asked out a plane in San Francisco um, because he didn't want some meaningless utility role, then he'd probably is expecting something a little bit more than backup to the backup utility infielder when he comes over here. So yeah, you could definitely eat away time from Danny Mendick, and maybe that won't be best well received. But it, it's kind of it's kind of harmless, as, as harmless as you know Gordon Beckham coming back as a utility man back in what was it like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen something like that. It, it's, right. it's not. The name value brings some more familiarity, but I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, redirecting the the, the direction of the franchise to, for a retread. It's like Cameron Maben going to the Tigers like every couple of years. Yeah, in that case, <laughs> the Tigers legitimately don't have anything better going on. But um, I, there probably is like some Tiger prospect insider blog that's unhappy about Travis Demerit losing playing time out there. And, you know, best of luck to them. What would be the name of the Tigers? Uh, what's like a punny name for a Tigers blog? What do you think it would be? Tiger tracks, isn't that one of the things? Is it? Is it really one of them? Like, yeah, who, I'm, ti- I'm trying tiger to th- tales. Right, I'm trying to think like who the everyone always thinks of like you know an old like niche player. You know, there was a really mean spirited blog uh, <laughs> when Nate Robertson was like this bad back end starter for him called Designate Robertson. That's terrible. It's <laughs> horrible people. His pa- his family must have like hate checked that every day. Oh, without a doubt. Especially after his career ended. Uh, who, who would be the White Sox? Is anyone named a funny, like, I'm trying to think of the punny ones for the White Sox. What's Matt, what's uh, Margulis's blog now? I, I subscribe to it. I should know this, but. Sox Machine? Yeah, like Sox Machine. That's punny. That's a pen on, pun on Sex Machine. Not, I, I, I do. Around, not a. I, I, <laughs> I get it, James. <laughs> but I'm saying James Brown never got like a minor league deal at any point. No, no, I'm just saying just a general punny name, not a yeah, not a fan one. It. I wonder what the fan. I wonder what like the player one would be. There's so many White Sox you could like. There's, there's like so many. You, it'd be like paralysis by analysis, just trying to think of, just trying to narrow down all the weird White Sox players there there have been. Ray Almeida, <laughs> Jeff Keppinger. <laughs> I think it would have to almost be like uh like one of those prospects. Who are some of the like I'm surprised there's not a pirates blog named after like Chad Hermanson, who's like a top prospect of my day. I mean, there's the the where have you gone, Andy Vance Light guy. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what was the mood like on this call with Rick? Was any were any of the the affiliated outlets with the White Sox panting and, and breathing heavy? Uh, well, Rick kind of talked about like a meeting with veterans. Um, what was that about? Seven vets? That, yeah, that he, he like they talked about the direction of the franchise. It basically sounds like they asked Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keiko, like, hey, you like this guy? And 
<laughs> I guess I guess the answer is no. Uh, I mean, he didn't term it like that exactly, but I asked him, I was like, have you had any of these meetings in recent years? Because he basically, he was like, well, it was a meeting with the core of the team. I was like, you traded the core of the team <laughs> three years ago. Like, so have you been having this meeting? Because like the last two or three years, it'd be at the deadline basically asking Jose Abreu, like, hey, what do you want to do? Um, so I, I, it definitely sounds like it's new in that regards, but he's like, oh, this is something we've done over the last 20 years repeatedly. Um, which, you know, definitely, you know, raises questions like what were the early 2000 meetings with, uh, you know, Frank Thomas, like as far as like plotting out the direction of the team. Um, but it, it, it just seemed like they kind of got the lay of the land a little bit. Um, but he, he mostly just used it to kind of emphasize uh, the positive clubhouse culture and how everyone's very, uh, fun and optimistic and, uh, they really feel really good about this group going forward, which, Made me laugh because someone was like responded to the Ulmer news like yeah finally bring the fun back to the the White Sox it's like this is the most yeah, positive White Sox team right, I've covered right. in four years right that's what they need is Yolmer <laughs> it's like they had Yolmer that series that you sent me to when like Yon Mankata like got called up and like they just got blitzed by the Royals like three nights in a row and I was just watching Brad Goldberg stare at his feet his locker um, every night like <laughs> that, that that team had Yolmer and wasn't much fun I, I don't think they. Uh, I don't think Yolmer is necessarily the determiner of whether or not a team is having a good time. It's probably scoring 10 runs per game. Right. But yeah, everyone likes him though. So he's not a negative in, you know, in the whole, in the whole operation. Yeah. I mean, this, this definitely, I feel great for Yolmer. I feel good for anybody who kind of just weathered through just the end of 2018 and entirely uh, just how negative that was or, I, I think I even remember sitting at Yomer's locker that year just talking about like this was and him being very frank. Like I, I, I went to him like to try to sum up the year thinking I was going to get some, oh, we moved in the right direction. We're young. And Yomer's just like, this was bad. <laughs> this was a terrible year. I played really poorly. <laughs> so for anyone to kind of have weathered that uh, portion of this process that um, that he could be in for the end of it or even see, you know, a playoff game at the end of it. Um, throughout everything he's been through and you know if the cubs are giving rick renneria a world series ring for surely surely yelmer is more likely that he'll be have been on a team you know three or four years before the white Sox got deep in the playoffs or whatever that winds up being the peak of this whole process you know good for yelmer so uh maybe they designed better rings this time when the white Sox win not the not the best looking ring just, just take the cycle ring and kind of like cross out some words, and uh, you know, make the make fifty of them. Every every time there's a cycle, I just I just I just pray it happens so we get another video. I guess this time it would have to be a zoom of Jerry uh, giving them the ring. I don't know what tier Jerry's on. My my plan for if Tim got the cycle that that game where he was like a triple short of it was basically just to egg him on about the ring the entire Zoom session until he was demanding one by the end of it. <laughs> like I wouldn't leave the stadium if I don't have a ring. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I won't play again if I if I don't get one of these one of these darn rings. James, let's take a moment to hear from one of today's sponsors, and then we'll be back. So one thing we, you know, that Rick stressed, and obviously I don't know how meaningful this really is, because whenever someone says something after the deadline, whatever, but Michael Kopech, you know, was a question people had. Would Kopech be a guy that they would trade if they were trading for a pitcher with controllable years left? And Rick said, no, that's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy talk. I mean, 
from me and probably from his same uh, lawyerly perspective, that's trading at low value. It's right. like the it's the pinnacle. It's 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 a little bit more nuanced, I guess, than the fan version of this guy sucks and is hitting 200. Let's trade him like we have all these doubts about this guy because he opted out and there's all this drama going on in his personal life and we're not sure he's going to return. Let's deal him. Like you're, you're basically that would basically be marking him as a buy low candidate for it'd be everyone kind of salivating over him the way the league salivated over Mike Clevenger of like oh he's on the outs with this clubhouse let's trade for a frontline starter for presumably a discount of some kind like I think every team would probably especially given the nature of it it's not like it's not like he's in the news for doing something specifically bad or something that specifically cast a lot of doubt about his ability to 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 pitch again. The idea of trading him because of that, because you have these questions about having not seen him in two years and wondering where he's at, uh, uh, just because you haven't had him in front of the media for a while, it, it, it would just not seem like a very logical move. And as as much as I'm like uh, pushing my way towards um, writing Lucas Giolito's memoir uh, down the road, I still would probably say Michael Kopech, just purely watching stuff, is the highest ceiling arm you have in the organization. And, you know, right. as as impressive as Mike Jonathan Stever has looked in a ball uh, once or twice. I, I don't think anyone's even come up close to challenging that um, in any reasonable way. I, I don't think that's just something you kind of get frustrated with over a long wait and deal with. And uh, it seems like the White Sox feel the same way. And that, you know, big burly Lance Lynn is not what uh, convincing them to turn away from that. All right. So back to the present, um, White Sox are in Minnesota. You know, this, this this uh, trade deadline, like you know, th- they've got a game tonight, so at least they don't have to make any. Uh, <laughs> there's no awkward moves because they actually have to play tonight. Um, and to start the month off in Minnesota, this is kind of the, the series we circled. You know, when, when we saw the new 60 game schedule, this is kind of you know not a big one now because we kind of know the Sox are in pretty good shape. But still, you know, if they want to win the division, this is this is one they like to take two or three, and now they have the. They've, you know, set the rotation up to have Giolito and Keiko pitch the first two. And the third one's gonna be Ronaldo Lopez. What are your right. thoughts? What's what's your grab bag thoughts about this series? I do not understand the repeated inclination to throw Ronaldo Lopez in front of the twins, other than it just seems like an inclination to not put Dylan C's in front of the twins. Um, which I suppose I get on some level, but Ronaldo Lopez, I think. Um, pitching through sol- shoulder information probably sp- spiked his career ERA against them up over six. I don't think there's any like history success there. So, uh, you know, good luck to the Sox in the next two nights type of uh, attitude. Um, the Twins are in like a tailspin right now. I think they've lost five straight. They still don't have Josh Donaldson or uh, Byron Buxton back, despite, uh, you know, insider Dan Hayes suggesting that there was a possibility <laughs> this week that they would come back and thus return to form. <laughs> Um, I just like so, to, so, I just like the air quotes, the verbal air quotes around insider. <laughs> yeah, after he just texted me about how he got me a helpful answer for a story, I'm trashing him on a podcast. <laughs> um, don't worry, no one's listening. <laughs> least of all him. Um, yeah, it, it seems like they're getting the twins at a low point, um, and I would say that common logic would be that the twins are not going to lose eight straight, and we'll see some sort of resurgent for them. They're just kind of too talented to not. Uh, come back a little bit, especially against, um, especially given the way they kind of jumped uh, Giolito in the, in the opening start and swore his parents off watching his games live for another year or two. Um, 
without Yohan Mankata, it, it, it seems like a situation where, you know, it, it, it's an important series, but also like Cleveland has jumped out in front and it, it probably is the real team to that you think about is the team to be at this point. And you definitely want to see what they look like now that I'd probably, I don't really think they've upgraded their offense in a meaningful way. I, I think that Naylor kid that they got for Clevenger is probably not really very good uh, offensively or defensively, but they, I would think they're closer to upgrading their offense and they're really going to feel Clevenger's loss in the rotation given the way they develop pitchers in a meaningful way. So that's probably the thing, team to think about down the stretch. But I don't know. It, I think everyone's just excited for the White Sox to be playing a meaningful series of any kind. Did you did you think that the Clevenger uh, buzz had any, any weight to it? Yeah, enough to write a draft in response of it just because I got told uh, was you know, this is something that's being talked about. It was a good draft. But it, it also sounded like if if the draft had been published, I would have aired a lot of like reservations about trading for a guy who's been yeah. hurt a couple times the last couple of years. And, you know, he's basically literally a bad clubhouse guy. <laughs> that's why he's <laughs> on the market. And you'd want that guy to be bulletproof production wise if you're going to make take that risk. And I didn't wasn't entirely convinced that he was, um, especially being 29 and have an injury history. So it seems like it got discussed seriously. But it also it never felt like the most likely scenario was for the, him to come to Chicago. It always seemed like if anybody really matched the bid, he would go elsewhere, and clearly that happened or it was ex- exceeded um, measurably. You know, it was such a good it was a good draft, and it's up there with you know the drafts I had of like Zion coming to the Bulls, <laughs> you know, and like other other stories we've we've uh, we've done that have never been published. Maybe we'll, we'll save that for the best of the athletic book. Zach, Zach Wheeler to the White Sox? <laughs> I don't remember what I wrote for that. <laughs> I'll, to, I'll look through the archives. Uh, look through the archives to see. Dan's got to be pissed you're not up there in Minnesota hanging out with him in the uh, in the press box. He has already, like, even before I told him I wasn't coming, he had referenced, like, different open-air drinking situations that he had uh, thought of. But, uh, you know, I don't know. He'll have to pitch to Lamont Pope. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. I don't know if you're gonna be missing much. You won't get on the won't get on the TV j- just then. But we're we're saving those road trips for the end of the season, so you can watch the White Sox celebrate their first playoff berth since uh, 2008 in person. I think that's that's the key, right? Yeah, to to listen to just the the fury of the piped in crowd noise as they they lock down that final out for the fifth seed. It it'll, it'll it, be something to remember. Uh, listen, something for the memoirs, James. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been your trade deadline edition of White Sox Business. Uh, I hope everyone has got their Jared Dyson jerseys printed up already because he is running. He is running and he's not going to stop till he gets to the playoffs. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you again later. (laughs) 